Welcome to the Caregiver's Toolbox, tools for everyday caregiving. We provide education and information on senior care topics. Here's your host, Ryan McInniff. And we're off. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Caregiver's Toolbox, tools for everyday caregiving, where we give you information and education on senior care topics. Since our last episode a number of weeks ago with our guests that we had, things have obviously changed. We're all not living under a rock. We know what's going on with the COVID-19 virus. And um, in between trying to get guests and then kind of getting prepared for this, um, you know, this took a bit of a backseat. I'm doing this podcast solo um, from my house and I'm going to, now that we're home and marketing is a lot harder to do, uh, I'm going to be doing more podcasts, more videos, and trying to um, keep in touch with contacts and people that way. Uh, So what has been going on over the last few weeks in terms of private home care is uh, been relatively nerve-wracking, a little bit scary. Um, I was kind of a little bit, uh, I would say, ahead of this. Not a, I told you so. Of course, I'm not uh, an epidemiologist. I didn't know much about this, but I was just reading news reports, and news reports seemed to be getting worse and worse in February, and that's when I started kind of planning for this stuff. And what ended up happening was I was going to grocery stores ahead of time, buying a little bit of supplies. Nothing crazy like you've been seeing, but I bought a bunch of mac and cheese and a bunch of uh, uh, Campbell's soup. Um, and people were looking at me like I was nuts walking up with 20 Campbell's soups and 20 mac and cheese. And obviously now we realize that people wait to the very last minute these days to prepare for these things. And while I was going to the grocery store, I was also going to hardware stores. And even then, I couldn't find N95 masks. Uh, I was able to find a three-pack of uh, dusk masks at Dust masks at a local mom and pop hardware store store and they were telling me that they have no plans on getting any more in. and this was in uh probably around february 20th so um it was already scarce out there there was already a lot of people that were seeing this coming and um, my hope was to find you know a few hundred uh, masks to be able to provide our caregivers Um, And that is just not possible right now. Um, It wasn't possible then. It's not possible now. I have contacts and friends that are on the certified side of things. And um, one source is telling me that their supplier, there's mainly two big suppliers in this area that I I am aware of, uh, McKesson and somebody else, and I can't remember the name. Um, But basically, they were told that even orders that were placed before kind of everything started gearing up and people started realizing this was going to be a major issue. Um, They were basically taking those orders and routing them to the federal government or to hospitals in need. Um, They were not fulfilling orders 
um, for weeks before this thing was really ramping up and people started realizing all at once that this was going to be a problem. Um, the hierarchy that this person was told was hospitals first, then nursing homes, then um, you're probably going to get to home health, certified home health, and then home care. Um, the problem with home care, private home care, what I do is that um, we're not, we're, we're considered non-medical. So, you know, even though we're around people that can have this disease, that our AIDS could have this disease in all honesty, um, we're pretty much the equivalent of your neighbor going out and trying to get N95 masks. I don't think there's a real big concern about private home care. And I'm not saying that there necessarily should be. There should be a concern, uh, and I'm not complaining. I think, obviously, we need to start at the top, bottom, trickle down, where the hospitals need to be um, given their PPE first because they're on the front lines, and then it trickles down to that. Obviously, in hindsight, um, it would be amazing if home health and private agencies were um, given or provided PPE um, in some way because then more people could stay at home, right? And they maybe wouldn't inundate the hospitals as much, um, especially if you had private nursing or certified nursing that could go out and make those types of visits. Um, but, you know, there's no point uh, crying over spilled milk. That wasn't done, and hopefully we plan a lot better for the next pandemic whenever that might happen. Um, and so what's happened at Minute Women and basically across Massachusetts is we're doing the best with what we have. Um, caregivers have access to gloves. Caregivers have access to some Purell. Purell's in short supply as well. And caregivers, what we did in, in lieu of uh, Purell, and it's probably better to be honest with you, is to uh, provide bars of soap for anybody that needs it. Um, that way, you know, a bar of soap is going to last a lot longer. I don't think people are going to steal soap as much. Um, Purell is a hot commodity, as we've seen with online, that people are hoarding it and then trying to sell it online um, to make a profit in these kind of dire times. Um, and so, uh, and so we thought maybe just going with old school bars of soap. If somebody says, hey, we don't have Purell and there's no soap at the house, sure, we can drop off a bar to make sure that there's uh, everybody's sanitary, washing their hands. Um, the other thing that we did was we sent out um, our, our supervisors to do hand washing training. Um, there's goop that you can buy on Amazon, and basically it's just like a, it's, it's just like a liquid soap, but it it's actually, um, it's actually lights up under uh, black lights. So you put the goop on, you wash your hands to the level that you think is acceptable. And then, uh, and then the trainer um, goes over your hands with a black light and anywhere that this goop is still there because it's invisible goop, um, it will light up and then it will show you how uh, uh, poorly or how well you've washed your hands. So we tried to do that. We sent out um, uh, in services on washing your hands and proper hygiene of coughing and sneezing. Um, but, you know, it's not a perfect world and people have the habit of touching their face and their eyes and their nose a thousand times a day when they're stressed, when they're happy, when they're shocked. Um, so, you know, it's really tough to break those habits. And I think where um, masks do a great job is that they remind you or gloves remind you not to touch your, your face because you go to touch your face and then all of a sudden you remember, oh, I have gloves on or I have the mask on. And then all of a sudden it triggers that reaction of, oh, I remember why I have a, a mask on or a glove on. 
Um, so as of right now on, on March 24th, I'm not expecting masks to be readily available. They're um, in a perfect world. I'd love to have masks. Um, as the owner of a company, I would love everybody to have masks. Um, the problem is, is that the masks are single use and you're burned through them quite quickly, as we obviously all know with hospitals. So even if you had a limited supply of 10, 20, or even 50 or 100 masks, probably going to last you a few days to a week and then you're back in the same position so it might even be better to 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 give those away to hospitals that need them um, assisted livings and nursing homes are obviously on complete lockdown they're freaking out understandably especially what happened over at life care in uh, kirkland um, washington i believe um, i was just reading an article about that on wall street journal kind of deep diving into that um, <clears throat> I think they're going to find that with a lot of these nursing homes, the things that could have been, been prevented of the information that I know of is going to be kind of hindsight 2020. Um, you know, a lot of these nursing homes have group activities, and it looks like the Mardi Gras group activity is what caused it, what caused a huge spread. Um, and people are questioning, you know, one of the things in the Wall Street Journal that was mentioned was, you know, they, they were talking about how, uh, you know, the visitor login was not um, well maintained. So they couldn't even uh, uh, really make a, a, a reliable, accurate account of who had been in there and who hadn't been in there. And, you know, it, it doesn't look good. They're going to get killed for it. But I'll be honest with you, I don't find too many assisted livings and nursing homes that do an outstanding job of it. Um, you have to remember that there are hundreds, if not thousands of people coming in and out on a daily basis. You have one receptionist that probably has other duties as well than just sitting there to sign people in or they take a lunch break or they have to go and use the bathroom or whatever it might be. Um, there are definitely cracks in the the system and a lot of buildings have multiple entryways and, and exits so you know you might like i know there's a building without naming names that there's the front door but everybody uses the back door and the reason everybody uses the back door is because that's where the parking is the parking's in the back so it would logically make sense to go in the back door to visit whoever you need to visit and then you never have to sign in there's nobody at that door and that happens quite a bit with nursing homes where you have nursing homes and assisted livings. Any building um, are going to have multiple entrances and exits, and not every single one of them can be staffed with a receptionist to have people come in and have people come out. And then, of course, if you're, you know, uh, uh, you're known, if you're a known quantity in that building, whether you're the UPS man, whether you're the VNA, whether you're private home care like I am, whether you're the food delivery service. You're not signing in and out every single time because they see you so often. They know who you are. I mean, it's really um, a best practice more than it is mandatory. Now, will that completely change? Probably. Um, that probably will change big time moving forward. But, you know, like anything, I think it will be a, a really stringent thing for the next few months. And then all of a sudden um, things, you know, get better and then things get more lax. Um, and you have to remember that these nursing homes are also uh, running on super thin margins. You know, nursing homes are in real trouble. We've done podcasts about this before in the past that they don't really have a lot of money being made. And uh, years ago, and by years ago, three years ago, not a long time ago, three, four, five years ago, they had, you know, 
orthopedics. They had, you know, hip replacements, knee replacements, um, uh, maybe shoulder replacements, whatever they had done. Um, that would be a moneymaker for them because people would be coming in on Medicare and then they would uh, discharge um, and then they would they would go home and that that was a, a system that made sense. And then when Obamacare came through and readmissions became a problem, um, then hospitals started discharging home directly. And of course, it all came down to money and it came down to how much they're getting reimbursed and how much they're getting fined. And because of that, um, nursing homes didn't get those patients anymore. They were discharged directly to home. And then all of a sudden, the only patients that were at a nursing home were on Mass Health or Medicaid, which barely covers the 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 the, the cost of a, a a resident. So if your resident is costing you $1 a day and you're getting reimbursed $1 a day, I mean, where's the profit? Where's where? Why are these companies in business? They're in business to make some money for their investors. It's how this world works. Whether you like it or not, it's capitalism. And so what's going to happen? They're going to cut costs as much as possible. And so are you going to put a receptionist at every single entrance into a building to have people sign in and sign out that are there almost every single day? And you, hey, Joe, how's it going, UPS guy? Hey, Tim, how's it going, you know, medical supply guy? Hey, Joanne, how's it going, VNA person? You know, you see the same people all the time. So, you know, you work in an office, does every single person log in and log out? So I think that, you know, these this nursing home is going to get killed in the press for some things that maybe they did wrong. I, I don't know. I, I, I can't go through the, the investigation. But I, don't, I certainly don't think CMS, who ran the vest investigation, is going to sit there and say, oh, well, actually, it was more of our fault because CMS didn't have the right guidelines and, and policies in place for um, nursing homes to follow. Of course, they're going to put the blame on the that nursing home because they don't want it. Nobody wants that. It's a hot potato. Nobody wants to deal with it. Nobody wants the bad press. I mean, you have the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times and CNN camping outside of this place waiting for the next, you know, shoe to drop on, on some bad news. And then it's, you know, the nightly news. It's on the, the, the cable news network. So, of course, nobody wants it. So, you know. I think I think that it's it's not necessarily just in one. From what I know right now, it doesn't seem like it's just one sniffs issue. It could have been any sniff, any assisted living, and certainly maybe having that Mardi Gras uh, party was not the smartest thing to do in hindsight. But every nursing home has parties all the time, so I, you know we'll find out more. Um, but my point being is that assisted livings and nursing homes are on lockdown because of this. They are not letting family members in. They are trying to keep as many people out as possible, which makes total sense. Um, and so, but one of the problems that they're having is that a lot of uh, people that are coming in, whether it's the VNA, whether it's hospice, whether it's um, private agencies like myself, or even their own employees, don't have PPE. Nobody has PPE. Nobody has masks. You know, we had one assisted living call us up and say, hey, we really, we, we, if you want to do business in our building, you need to have a mask. And I said, okay. I kind of chuckled. I said, all right, you know, point me to the online store or the, the mask store that has a thousand masks available. Let me know when, where, where that is. You know, I know you have my competitors in there. You're telling me that they have masks. You're telling me that your own your own uh, uh, employees have masks. And of course they called back and 
they, they walked it back because they knew nobody has masks. So what are you supposed to do? And you're and that's the this position we're in right now. We're in a catch twenty two, and it's nobody's fault. It, you know, it's nobody's fault, meaning the assisted living, the private home care. If you want to complain about the federal government, do it on another podcast. It's too polarizing and it's too too crazy right now. But, you know, that's, the buck stops there. But at the end of the day, we don't have the supplies that we need, nor do the assisted living. So you're between a rock and a hard place that... The people that are going in there for private home care and VNAs and hospices are needed services to keep people safe. The assisted living cannot provide those services to their residents. But at the same time, if you let that many people into an assisted living, you're obviously exponentially increasing the risk of an outbreak occurring because more people means that there's more chances somebody has the COVID-19 virus and infects other people. But if you don't allow those individuals into a building, then you're risking the safety of the residents as well because they're not getting the proper care, whether on hospice, VNA, or private home care services. People aren't paying me, you know, $9,000 a month because mom and dad just really appreciate the comfort of my aides. I want them to like my aides, but nobody's paying me that kind of money because my aides are really nice. They're paying me that kind of money because the aides are absolutely needed. And excuse me for that, and the aides are absolutely needed for the safety and well-being of the clients that they're providing care for. So with that being said, we're all in in between a rock and a hard place when it comes to this because these people need care, but nobody has PPE. And nobody knows what this invisible virus is. Nobody not knows what it is, where it is. It it can be on you for, for two weeks and you wouldn't know. We're finding out that a huge portion of people are asymptomatic, that they don't even know that they have it. And of course, it's March, so everybody's got hay fever. There's still colds running around, you know, and every time you cough, every time you sniffle, you go, well, is it a cold or is it a is it the coronavirus? And then you sit there and you go, well, if it's a coronavirus, my God, this isn't that bad. You know, this, this is nothing. I can still, you know, do my daily uh, tasks if I had to. It just, I kind of feel run down or I, I, you know, who knows? I'm reading people on Twitter that are saying it really wasn't that big of a deal. And that's not to downplay that for the people are there. It can be really a big of a deal, but it's just saying that the gamut is so wide on whether it's really mild or it's really severe or somewhere in between. And that's the problem with it is it takes a while to develop. Your symptoms might be extraordinarily mild, and but you can still spread it to people. And that's where everybody's holding their breath for the next two weeks and hoping that they're building, hoping that their aides, hoping that their hospital doesn't have this massive infection that's uncontrolled. Now, hospitals maybe aren't the best example, but you know what I mean. Sniffs, assisted livings, adult daycare, whatever it might be. Group homes. Um, So that's kind of where we're at with things. Um, We're doing the best we can. It's not a perfect system by any means. Uh, The other thing that a lot of assisted livings and nursing homes are doing is they're taking the temperature of everybody that walks in the door, which is an outstanding idea. Um, We are calling up our aides on a daily basis. Every aide that's going to a shift every single day is being asked to self-report whether they have a fever or not and ideally letting us know what their temperature is. Um, And if they have any symptoms of any kind, you know, if they think 
significant, they might have a cold. And then we, if, if that's the case, we quarantine them. We had to do that with one caregiver. And fortunately, she didn't, she didn't have COVID-19. She just had a, had a cold. And we're seeing that a lot too. A lot of people in Massachusetts are te- getting tested and a lot of them are testing negative. Um, so, you know, it's a really unsure time and we certainly do not want to have, um, you know, we're here to do good, not to do harm. And it's a really weird time to um, be in business providing care to people when you're, you're, you're nervous. You know, everybody's nervous. AIDS are nervous. Everybody is concerned that, hey, I could have this virus, not know it, and, and you could spread it to somewhere. But you still have to go into these buildings and get your job done. Um, so yesterday, or not yesterday, but today at, at, um, at 12 o'clock, we are having a lockdown. Um, in Massachusetts, where all non-essential businesses are going to be um, uh, shut down, which, I mean, you know, it's 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 super weird being in private home care and being a business owner while also being, it, you have so many emotions going through because you're scared out of your wits about, biz- I couldn't imagine my business being forced to be closed and then having the responsibility of paying employees. And, you know, while it might seem easy for Target or Walmart or Amazon to do this. There are a lot of mid-sized and small businesses, and, and and you probably already know this, that they don't have a slush fund like that. They don't have you know hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars just sitting there for a rainy day. A lot of people uh, run on thin margins, and a lot of people may not run on thin margins, but they have a lifestyle in which uh, causes them to pull out a lot of money and profits every single year from their business. And then they don't have as much in savings as they should. Um, so this is one of those, you know, 2008 all over again feelings. It's not the same circumstances, but at the end of the day, it's going to be about who has cash and who saved properly because, you know, I certainly was scared out of my mind's ten my mind twelve years ago, and I made sure to hoard cash and made sure to make sure that I had lines of credit and made sure that I had um, more than enough emergency funds. Now we'll find out if that's more than enough. Who knows how long this goes? I mean, you can't go forever, but um, I would like to think that you know two or three months won't be an issue and. Uh, we'll be able to to operate and we'll still be able to continue moving forward. But as a business owner, I feel for a lot of those businesses that, you know, business just dried up. It's just not there. I went to pick up uh, my my laundry, uh, my dry cleaning yesterday. I had a piece to pick up and I talked to the guy and he said, yeah, I might as well close because nobody's coming in here anymore anyways. Because all the businesses are closed and most people, they drop off their laundry, not next to where their house is, but they'll drop it off where their office is, right? They drive to their office, they drop off laundry or somewhere on the way, and then when they're going home, they pick it up. Now that people aren't going to, to the office anymore, everybody's staying home, nobody's dropping off their laundry, nobody's wearing nice clothes to work because you don't have to, you're working from home. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it's uh, scary as a business owner, and it's scary being a home health care provider. So I figured um, we'll do a lot more of these. I'll do some with Janet. Um, we'll talk about the business side of things right now, but I wanted to let everybody know kind of what we're able to do and what we're not able to do and kind of an honest feedback of what private agencies are capable of and, in general, um, you know, home health is is able to do. Um, everybody is trying to get supplies, but at the same time, everybody knows that, you know, we need to save those supplies for um, for hospitals. So it's a very weird kind of uh, uh, situation to be in because you know you want those supplies for your own people, but 
one, you can't get it. And even if you could get it, morally, is it right? You know, should you, shouldn't you be saving those for the people that are, are the illest? But at the, at the same time, we're caring for people that are, are 80, 90, and 100 years old. Those are the people that are going to be affected the most by this illness. So it would make total sense that home health and hospice and private agencies would have masks available to prevent contamination, to prevent from people getting this disease and then ending up in a hospital anyway. So it feels like it's a it's it's rock in a hard place. You know, it's it's just difficult. So anyways, um, Janet's still working. We're all working from home. I'll talk about the business side a little bit later on another podcast, but I thought a quick 20 minute podcast to let everybody know what's going on and how we're doing. Um, our operations are still going. We're operating from home. Things are going smoothly right now. Um, I know that there have been scares at two or three um, assisted livings that I know about, which means there's probably a number of assisted livings that have scares in them. Um, and, you know, the, the hope is, is that there are procedures in place to quarantine people immediately and to figure out who is where and to make sure that people are not... Um, not um, being exposed unnecessarily to this virus. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll um, see how that goes. So anyways, thank you very much for listening. I appreciate it. Janet will be on one of these podcasts, but we are, we're still figuring out how to work from home. We've been doing that since last week. So we're, we're getting used to it. Um, of course, there are some, uh, there are some uh, you know, hiccups along the way. But in the end, I'm really thankful that um, I'm in a world where we can work from home and we have the technology to be able to do that. And I'm thankful that, uh, you know, I, I decided to go in that direction years ago to make sure that we could work from home in case something ever happened. And I never expected this, but nor did it seems like anybody else. Right? Um, so anyways, thank you very much for, for listening. We'll catch you up on the next one. And I'll be doing these much more often. Have a good day, everybody.